This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, I'm Martin Stark and welcome to the latest edition of the Total Saints podcast. It's where we gather together a panel of Saints experts to discuss all things relating to Southampton Football Club. And I'm sure you know this by now, but we stream each episode of TSP live on our Facebook page and our YouTube channel on a Sunday night. So if you're watching live on either of those platforms, you can get involved in the conversation by using the comments section. Coming up this week on the podcast, we'll dissect the disappointing defeat at home to Crystal Palace and just three games left to go. We're going to preview the trip to Brentford at the weekend. Uh, let me first of all introduce you to our TSP guest this week. Let's go uh, clockwise. Steve Grant is the owner of Saints Web. How's your week been, Steve? Welcome back to the UK. Yeah, it's been a, a busy one. Yeah, obviously, flying back on uh, flying back Monday meant I kind of had an entire week's worth of work to fit into four days. So uh, yeah, it's been a little bit hectic. Um, but yeah, got got there in the end and obviously making the most of a nice long weekend now. Uh, Glenn Delacour is the writer of the weekly Saints blog, League One Minus Ten. How's the blood pressure today after yesterday? Uh, it's all right. I kind of can't be bothered really, much like um, much like most of the players. So uh, yeah, try not to get too, too angry about it. But yeah, it's... Um... It's been an interesting week. I got I got higher blood pressure this week because um, one of my dogs was quite ill and I had to take him to the vet. But he seems to be making a bit of a recovery. Lots of money out of the pocket. That's of been. Course. But, yeah, uh, of course. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Don't want to talk about that. But uh, but no, that was the that was the main uh, main stress of the week and uh, much much more worth worrying about that than uh, those clowns that played uh, yesterday. Than the football, yeah. And Dan Sheldon is the dedicated Southampton reporter for The Athletic. Welcome back this week, Dan. How's your week been? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Getting over the illness now, so yeah, kind of back to normal. Good. Well, it's good to have you back. Uh, The biggest hello and thank you, of course, is reserved to our wonderful patrons, wherever you might be listening or watching this week. Welcome to episode 196 of the Total Saints podcast. This is the Total Saints podcast with Martin Stark, Steve Grant, Glenn DeLacour and the Athletics' Dan Sheldon. And 
before we get on to yesterday's game, just a little reminder, we're going to be hosting a live podcast in Southampton to mark our 200th episode, which is coming up. It's going to be on Friday, the 27th of May, uh, 7 o'clock start at the Five Rivers Sports Bar in Beavers Valley. The evening is going to be supporting the Saints Foundation. 100% of the ticket proceeds are going directly to the charity. If you're interested in coming along, you can find a link to the event in the description for the podcast. And we're going to be sharing that, of course, on our socials over the next few weeks. So if you've already bought your tickets, thank you so much. And we look forward to seeing you there. Now, it looked like we'd hold on for a point, uh, but a late winner for the visitors in added time meant another defeat in the league for Saints. Uh, what was your take on that one yesterday, Steve? Oh, just frustrating, isn't it? It's a um, sigh, isn't it? Yeah, <sighs> the so, oh, everything oh, starts with a sigh. Oh God, we've got to discuss this again. Yeah, it's just what it seems to be. We get to a, and this this has been a repeating problem for and for God knows how many years that we get to the end of the season and we're kind of safe. We know that there's nothing tangible to achieve because I'm I'm not convinced that players care that much about as one particular league position over another when there's no European qualification or anything like that at, at stake. And yeah, I mean we've we've essentially decided, oh, afternoon in the sunshine, let's just kind of kick kick our shoes back and just just relax a little bit. And yeah, it was it was frustrating. I mean you think you get the early lead and you think, ah, oh, great, we've um, we've start we've started this one well. Uh, let's let's get a grip on this, and we can we can have this game have this game wrapped up by half time. And yeah, we got into the lead, and it was just like, oh, okay, well that's our job done then. Hmm. Yeah, very frustrating. And I think I think to be honest, I mean the wave and credit to Zaha for the finish from that from that distance, but the the amount of time and space that Bednarek gives him, it's like I mean he's got his back to goal on the edge of the area. I mean what what else is he going to try and do apart from work work a yard of space and turn and shoot there's literally no nowhere else for him to go in that in that situation and yet he still lets him do it and it was just just weak and it kind of sums up sums up his his calendar year really for me um Mm. very very disappointed with with him in particular i mean it does kind of feel like i i single him out every week but it's, it's doing my nutting well, Mark's used the word shambles. Uh, I think I've seen the word whimper as well on the uh, the comment section already, Glenn. Um, what word would well, keep it clean? What word would you or words <laughs> would you use to uh, <laughs> to uh, to sum up the, the performance yesterday? Just I think um, we got we got you, the defeat that we deserve. Really, you've thrown this one at me with no preparation, so I'm, I'm going to come up with insipid. There you oh, go. That's, that's a, a good one, word. isn't it? And that's we don't have to bleep one. it out for the radio no, either. That's good. Not, not <laughs> at all. It was atrocious from start to finish. I've seen it said that we were better in the first half than we were in the second. No, we weren't. We scored in the first half from a set piece, as usual. We created nothing. We did nothing going forward. Three passes, if you're lucky. Just rubbish. The midfield and the attacking players didn't put the effort in. They didn't put the effort in when we had the ball to find space for people to pass to and they didn't do the work defensively because what what happened was basically the palace three in the center of midfield were up against Romeo and War Prowse and they were just getting dragged everywhere they were getting no help at all from the wide players the um the formation just just fell apart i mean going going right back to when Ralph started do you remember when um he he got the groundsman to mark out sort of areas on the pitch so Squares, yeah so he could teach pitch. so he could teach the players this four two two formation and and the way that the spaces between the lines is basically crucial to it working from a defensive point of view so the players have got to be switched on for starters and the players have got to put the effort in to make sure they're in the right place and they they run and they all you know go in a in a cohesive manner if you don't do that then four two 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 is so easy to play through and that's what 
that's what Palace did. The amount of times Schlupp and Gallagher in particular were completely free. And they, they, they were just open all the time. And, and they, even a player as limited as MacArthur is could just pass the ball 20 yards forward to their feet. And then we were in trouble the whole time. I, the back four didn't cover themselves in glory on the, on the two goals we conceded. But they were under pressure the whole game because there was nothing going on in front to stop the, you know, to stop Palace coming through. As far as going forward was concerned, I mean, uh, when we were playing well, Salasu would pick the ball up and he'd have options. He'd go, he could go wide, he could go into centre of midfield, who wanted the ball, and he could go to the forward players along the ground. That's what that's what we did. There's none of that now. Midfield players don't want the ball. Wingers aren't making any runs. Forwards are looking uh, are running forwards. They're not looking for the ball. So what do we do? We end up just banging it forward. And mm. that, you know, you keep hold of the ball maybe one time in 20. And you've got a player like, um, what's his name? Anderson at the back. He's six foot four. Oh, thanks. I'll have that. Mm. And that Mark Gerhe was totally untroubled. Made him look like Virgil van Dijk back there. He had yeah, absolutely nothing to worry about in that game at all. And it, and it was pathetic for 90 minutes. And the um, I wasn't even bothered when we let it go in, you know, when, when Zaha scored in the last minute. Palace deserved to win. The only reason, they, they were pretty toothless up front in the first half. That Mateta guy was was pretty useless. But as soon as they took him off and brought Zaha on and they brought on Elise and, they, you know, I just thought, my, my word, we there's no way we're going to hold out. So it was the most unsurprising thing in the world to me that that Palace scored and unsurprising and predictable is something that I think I'm going to come back to later on. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, we'll get on to the starting lineup and the goals. I mean, Dan, after we scored, only one team looked like they wanted to win the match and we're going to score again. And it, it certainly wasn't Southampton. No, not at all. As, as Glenn said, once they went 1-0 up, it was, well, that's it. We've done our jobs and let's just play out for 90 minutes and see what see what happens here. It was really poor, really, really poor. I, it was the first game I'd seen live for a couple of weeks because I've been ill and they were just terrible. There's just no, I mean, we've been saying they've not had any effort for a while, but there was no effort. And I, I really don't say this lightly, but it looked like that performance against Palace to me looked like Ralph had run out of ideas and the players have stopped listening. And that was what happens for 90 minutes when that, as, as Glenn said, I mean, Saints were just kicking it long. And you just think, where, what is, what is the purpose of this? Yeah. It was just, it was really bad, really bad. And, deservedly booed off at full time. It was the worst game I've seen Southampton play in a long, long time. I mean, bearing in mind I wasn't at Burnley. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the, the the bar is uh, is interesting. Um, it's getting Steve, lower every week. <laughs> lower every week, yeah. Steve, let's talk about the, the starting lineup. One change, obviously um Perot coming in for Liveramento, which meant that Shane Long retained his, his spot in the starting eleven. Adam Armstrong, Brozier on the bench. Were you happy with that when the team came out? Can you can you I can imagine Armstrong wasn't happy with it, but um <laughs> I was I was kind of not overly fussed. I mean, we we played we played okay with essentially that eleven for a large part of the second half at Brighton, and you kind of thought, well, okay, well they've they've actually had a had a game where they've they've looked vaguely competent, or at least well we've had a half where we've looked vaguely competent with that system and that and that lineup. So I didn't have any particular issues with sticking with Shane Long again. At the end of the day, when, as I said last week, we don't we don't see what goes on in training. I can only assume that Long is basically looking like Shane Long in training, what we see, like the good parts of what we see from him uh, when he does get a game. And Adam Armstrong is showing absolutely nothing because otherwise, surely you, you'd be putting putting your £15 million centre-forward into games like this, where there's tangibly nothing to play for. And yet, 
yeah, I mean, there's there's obviously something something not quite right there when because um, I mean, let's be honest, we're we're assuming that that Shane Long is out the door in in the summer, out of contract as a 35 year old. Seems fairly implausible that he's going to get a new deal. Although I'd say his his kind of contributions since since Christmas. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if you if you're going to give him a pay as you play deal or something something cheap, he may be worth worth keeping around. But I mean, he's he's certainly not a player who should be getting first team starts in live Premier League games. And yeah, I mean, it, it kind of exposes the while we've we've kind of thought we had depth in squad. Actually, when one or two are, are kind of not not firing on all cylinders, even when fit, um, actually we're still still kind of struggling, sort of beyond the. The sort of first eleven. Um, and, I mean, Brozier's clearly um, way off the pace at the moment, which is a problem. And I mean, I'm not sure it necessarily helps uh, the manager coming out after the game saying that he's he's not seen enough from him when he's come on. It's like, well, mm. yeah, okay, that that not may the be first true. time this season that he's yeah, um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's he's tried the uh, tried the stick approach rather than the carrot a few mm. times, hasn't he? And I mean, to be fair, earlier in the season he got the got the desired response. Um, but it does kind of feel a little bit like um, sort of banging the same drum, and eventually people stop listening. Glenn, what was your take on the the starting lineup, the 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 the, the squad, and, and those coming off the bench, and obviously the the, the lack of impact because um, some, something's not quite right. I, I was going to stay in a pub when I saw the starting, <laughs> when you lineup, saw the starting lineup. To be honest, no one would have blamed you, by the way. There's no there's no point in being. I mean, the, the two I have the issue with is Shane Long and Nathan Remond. There's no point in being angry with those two players because they are what they are. Hmm. Shane Long is a 35-year-old striker who hasn't had a half-decent season since 2016. Um, Nathan Redmond is what he is. We know what he can do. We know what he can't do. We know what he won't do. It was predictable. They they did exactly what they always do. The The problem lies in, you know, and Steve's touched on it, why, why are they seen as being the best option in a what is basically a dead rubber game? Now, okay, we discussed Adam Armstrong, but I'm, I'm looking further than that. I'm looking at players like Will Smallbone. You know, we're supposed to be this team that looks at young players. So if someone like Nathan Remond is preferred to Will Smallbone in a what is basically a dead rubber game, you know, what what are we doing here? Um, and as as it is, we he's picked the experienced players. We've been rubbish. We've lost again. It's another missed opportunity to to, to play a young player. So I I. I don't get that. I don't understand it. I am horrified at the thought that they will give Shane Long another year because it'd it just be such a colossal waste of money. Unless they mm. put him on vastly reduced money with a and and he's a coach, you know, in a year's time or something like that. Yeah, or an ambassador or something. I don't you know, he can't have a he can't have a, you know, a, a watching contract, you know, like Theo Walcott's got. Yeah. That would just be repeating the same mistake over again. So, so I, I wasn't impressed with the starting lineup. Those two players in particular played exactly as I thought they would. But there were other players who who dipped horribly below what they can do. Romeo scored the goal, but he was right. He was playing in quicksand the whole game. He was going back to being very slow at passing the ball, kept getting caught in possession. But again, lack of movement ahead. It makes you know it's called pass and move for a reason. If you don't move, you can't pass the ball. Um, Nathan Teller was poor. Shay Adams was poor. So I wasn't I wasn't impressed with it. The sub, the substitutions when they did eventually come, yeah, Brozier looked like he couldn't wait to get back to Chelsea. To be honest, he he tried a little bit, 
but he seemed to be hanging out on the left wing for some reason. I, I don't know if that was tactical or, or whether that was just where he where he ended up running. Stuart Armstrong did more in five minutes than most, you know, I mean, it's a low bar, mm. but at least he got the ball down and tried to play. And he had the, the snatch, he had the shot over the bar and he had the, the you know, he, he created and played a one-two and hit that shot wide at the end. And the, the final in, the final insult to Adam Armstrong was the fact that we end up with Nathan Redmond playing up front, and I think he touched the ball once, mm. and it, it was just it, it was just poor. So I, I don't know. I mean, Ralph can blame you know the players for not making an impact all, all they want, and he can bemoan the lack of quality. He picks the team, and that's that's the team he picked, and it it just we didn't look like we had a clue. And it, you know, I hadn't really thought about it until Dan said it. It does look like they. They aren't listening or they can't be bothered or he, or he can't get through to them. Hmm. You, you know, you can talk about formations all you like. Again, I, I think the, 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 the mindset and the attitude from the players was, was such that it wouldn't have mattered what, what formation we put out there. It, it still would have been pretty awful. But Ralph's got to look at himself. It's not, it's not good enough in my book. Maybe he is, but it's not good enough in my book just to, just to throw certain players under the bus when you've picked the team and that was entirely predictable how it would turn out. Hmm. We'll, we'll come back to Ralph in a sec. Um, Dan, I just want to, at the start of the season, he was talking about how he wanted two players for each position, but it seems that maybe he doesn't trust the bench perhaps, or have they just recruited badly because... I'd sell for one. He was saying, you know, yesterday he said, I expect more from my guys coming on and, and he, he didn't make any changes again. He's been a bit reluctant to make changes in games. So is he just not perhaps trusting the players that he's, he's brought in uh, or are they just not doing enough when they do get the time? Well, I think it, it goes back to a point that, that Steve made earlier. I mean, we're not watching training, so we're not seeing day in, day out what these players are or are not doing. Uh, on uh, at Staplewood, but the the players he brought on yesterday were were good enough to make an impact. They were good enough to to change the game. They you know push Saints on or whatever. Brozier, we've seen what he can do. Stuart Armstrong, one of the club's better players, you'd argue. I think Elianusi came on towards the end. He's had an okay season, better than many thought he probably would have done. They're, they're not three poor players he's brought on, but they just came on and Armstrong aside, just didn't look all too bothered by what was going on the I think it goes deeper than just the, the substitutions and not making changes there's clearly an issue or there's something is completely broken down <laughs> from whatever Southampton are trying to do and one of the things that I know that the club was so keen so so keen to avoid happening and they were kind of talking about this in sort of Jan time as well when that on that good run was capitalizing that and not letting the season fizzle out that was the one thing that didn't want to happen this season because it happened last year, probably happened the year before that. I can't remember. Project Restart was all right, actually. But before Project Restart, the season was fizzing out because they were on a poor run of form. And it's happened again. It's happened again. They've missed an opportunity to, you know, how many points off Tottenham were they when they beat Tottenham? It was like two or three points off Tottenham. It was something silly, wasn't it? Like Tottenham yeah, were, yeah. were, they were, were, they yeah, were with, right. within a win of yeah. catching Tottenham. Not that they would have caught them, but now look at them. It speaks of mentality. It speaks of coaching. And I asked Ralph after the game because he he spoke about the level they were at, but then kind of said, but we didn't even reach any kind of level today. And it's about trying to, and he's like, whenever we get to this position, we fail and we need to make that next step. And then I said, well, how do you make that next step? Is it your coaching? Is it better players or or investment? And he was like, everything, all of the above, basically. So, yeah. 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 Steve, is it a case of just, fine margins because at one point yesterday we were 
ninth in the table, and then by five o'clock we're we're fifteenth. I think we're three points off tenth as it stands. Is there a danger that we're we're overreacting, or is it um, is it as, as bad as we're making out? Well, I mean, the ninety minutes yesterday was as bad as they make, as people make out. I don't think you can really kind of sugarcoat it. But it's odd that I mean we've basically had three really strange seasons, um, and next season's going to be going to be even stranger still with a six week break and smack bang in the middle of it. So I don't think there's going to be any kind of sense of what is normal until probably another 18 months, two years time. It's it's a difficult one. I mean, we've even in this kind of bad run, there's been halves or 10, 20 minute spells in games where you can see, oh, OK, right. We've we've kind of we've got we've got ourselves sorted. Now let's um, now let's kind of push on. And then something happens and we collapse and just fall into fall into bad sort of bad ways again and it's i mean i think part of it comes back to something that i said i can't remember if it was last week or the week before about that actually the 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 players that we've got their mentality is of players of the level that we are that's why we um that's why we're so wildly inconsistent that if they're if they're all on it and the system is set up in such a way to negate what a potentially stronger opposition um, is bringing to the table, then yeah, sure, we can compete with pretty much everyone. I mean, we've as we've said, we've drawn yeah, two we've, games. We've shown that, yeah, yeah, drawn two games against against City, who are still likely to win the league, and I mean, should should have won at least one of those games. So we have the capability of doing it, but I think there's a there's a mentality thing which you don't, which basically once you get to the very when you're a player that's playing at the very very top, um, you have that. Um, you have the mental strength and the ability to get through tough periods of bad, of whether it's bad form or recover from an individual mistake or things like that. Whereas players at slightly, only ever, ever so slightly lower level, just don't quite have the have the men uh, have the mental attitude to to get through those phases. And that's 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 basically why we are so wildly inconsistent. That that yeah you can you can go from a from the from the almighty high and and actually we've at times we've maintained those highs for like a month six weeks at a time mm. even when we've had tough fixture lists um, key players being being injured suspended or whatever and yet there is just this kind of nagging feeling of um, at this point when we're on the first of May and it's like well this is just the same just the same old same old isn't it mm. and it's yeah. just just immensely frustrating really I mean as 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 we mentioned. I mean, this this summer is going to be a huge um, sort of barometer of where this new ownership kind of sees the club. Is there going to be significant investment to make the, I don't know, I mean, half a dozen potential actual first team signings that would give us the give us the quality and the and ultimately the depth that will allow us to actually um, swap in and out players who's who are in that sort of little slump of form and you're able to swap them out and not not affect things too much. I mean, time only time will tell on that. And do you think that's the case, Glenn, um, as Steve says, limping through till May almost and then seeing what the new owners want to do and, and, and how many players we, we need to come in? Is it a bit of an overhaul? Neil's watching on YouTube and he says, you know, what needs to change? Is it an overhaul in the in the summer for you? Yeah, I think it is, yeah. I think we it, certainly if you look at the, the squad of senior first-team players, we've got too many passengers who, if you see them on the team sheet, you just think, oh my word, what's going on? I mean, I mentioned two of them earlier on, but there's four or five of them who you just wouldn't wouldn't be terribly happy. Um, to, to flip it round, at the moment, I only see about six, maybe seven 
players that we've got who I would be upset if they left. There's a lot of them that I just wouldn't be bothered about. You know, as Steve said, weak mentality on quite a few of them. Some have moments, but they're not consistent enough to to be reliable first team players. I mean, we've just played Palace. Um, Palace are an interesting example. They spent a lot of money in the summer, mm. but they cleared out a lot of their deadwood, if you like. We, you know, a lot of players came to the end of their contracts, like Gary Cahill and um, Scott Dan, to name but two two very highly paid players who they'd had for years or, or had for a while. And they, you know, they, they got rid of them and they replaced them with the two centre-halves they got now. Okay, they spent a bit of money, but they probably saved on wages. So that's the sort of thing that I think we need to do is to, you know, don't renew contracts of players who have who have been here for a while and you you know they're not going to get any better, you know. But, but it is difficult for a club of our size to make six or seven signings who are going to be, you know, first team contenders because it, it will cost a lot of money. I mean, you're talking probably a hundred million plus. So we've got to save that money or make that money from somewhere. And obviously we don't want to sell one of the good players in order to do that. We we wanna we wanna save it by releasing some of the getting rid of some of the deadwood and saving money on wages that way. Yeah, but selling James Ward Prowse is not the answer, is it? No, 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 it wouldn't be. But <laughs> no matter how much well, we, we talk about it on talk sport. <laughs> but, but yeah, but we have to um yeah, well, if you listen listen to that, then um, <laughs> then you deserve all you get. People like that idiot Jamie O'Hara used to, and Gabby O'Bonlahor. My word, you just I just watched the little clips on Twitter. Well, I've set him off now. I've set him shoot off. myself. It's, it's impressive how how um, Gab, Gabby O'Bonlahor is actually as thick as he sounds. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 impressive. It's impressive, and they see that as a reason to put him on the radio. But but there you go. But um. Back to us, yes, we we do need a bit of an overhaul. And as I say, there are too many too many players for me who were, who were stinking the place out, and they just we just need to move on from from those sort of players. I mean, you know, just off the top of my head, Walcott, we're not getting any value from whatsoever. Gineppo's never going to do it, just not. And uh, you know, the, even first first team first team regulars like Steve Steve's mentioned Bednarek. If, if we can sell Bednarek for whatever 10, 15 million quid or whatever, and use the money and the wages to buy you know a better centre halves, someone like Anderson or Gerhi, someone like you know, obviously we can't sign those two, but someone of that ilk for you know a little bit more money, then that's what that's what we need to do. There's, there's going to be some some hard decisions, and some first team players might be leaving, but you know we got to make sure we get it right. Otherwise, we are going to be severely struggling. And we need to find a goal scorer because we, you know, we had a little purple patch from Brozier and Adams, which unfortunately happened at roughly the same time. Um, and, you know, we, we had those wins. But, you know, if you look at their goal output, at the end of the day, it's six and seven in the each. That's just not enough. You know, we haven't replaced the goals that Danny Ings scored. We, ju- we just we just haven't. And we, we've had a few from midfield with Prousey with the set pieces, obviously. And we've had, the odd contribution from Elianusi and Armstrong, but it's just it's just not enough, and and it's not sustainable. So if if it's not going to be Brozier, or you know if it's him, he needs to score more goals next year. And if if it's not him, we need to find some way of you know the the, the forward line contributing more goals than they have this year. Otherwise, it's going to be really really tough. Kilkenny Saint is watching on YouTube. He agrees, Glenn. He says, uh, need to clear out in the summer. A lot of these players we know aren't really up to the standard. Matthew's been asking, Dan, are we safe? And that's a really interesting one because at the moment, I don't know where we're going to get another point from. And it looks like, um, obviously, Everton and um, 
yeah, Burnley as well have picked up a, um, a bit of a, a running form. Are we going to be all right, in your opinion? <laughs> well, I mean, technically speaking, no, they're not safe. <laughs> um, but I do think they are. They are safe, yeah. I think they they won't go. I mean, I'm going to say they won't go down. Southampton won't go down. I mean, if they go down, then it will be absolutely remarkable. There's um, a clip for the internet. <laughs> yeah, it's they're not safe mathematically, but I would be genuinely shocked. I mean, they they could still very much finish 17th, but I don't, I don't think they go down. I really don't think they go down. It's a bit of a six pointer, Steve. Almost no, at the oh weekend. God, it, it's not, it's <laughs> not a six pointer. <laughs> It's a must-win game. Losers back in the relegation mix. Let's get on to the Brentford game because um, put it behind us and, and move on. I mean, that was a cracking game at St Mary's back in January, Steve. The, the 4-1 when we welcomed the new owners and the place was buzzing. It, it seems like that was a very long time ago now. Yeah, and um, Brentford were absolutely pathetic that night, weren't they? And mm. they, were, yeah. they were in the middle of a, a run of absolutely horrendous form where they... I mean, they they look like obviously having had a good start to the season. They basically looked like they were struggling to see where their where their next point was coming from. And then the Christian Eriksen signing happened, and uh, once he got up to full speed, I mean, they've been a completely different side with him with him in that team. And I think getting their uh, getting their first choice keeper back has been has been quite important as well because they've been they've been a, they've. I think the reserve guy they had in for a while looked looked pretty ropey. But yeah, I mean, they've 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 turned they've turned turned around the corner and they're looking they're looking like a good side again but I mean they're, they're not unbeatable um by any stretch of the imagination I mean as as we showed uh back in January I mean we, we gave an absolute spanking that night didn't mm-hmm. we and it and what was it four four one could have been could have been seven or eight quite easily yeah so yeah I mean we at the end of the day we've just got to sort out this sort out this mental block I mean maybe playing against a team that that plays a very open game will help us um, maybe that will give us a little bit, a little bit more space to work in. But you can imagine that while you'll kind of get a little bit of space, you won't necessarily have time because they, they obviously like to play this, this high energy style as well. And I think ultimately we've got to make sure that I mean, you, you would imagine that someone's going to be man marking Ericsson, surely, nah. because, because, because no, I mean, you no, think? <laughs> well, I mean, this, this is the weird thing that. From what I've seen, I don't think anybody's really been doing that um, against them so far. And I guess that there's an, there's an issue where man marking an individual uh, player uh, does kind of take that one player out of take your own defender out defender or defensive midfielder out of the game completely in any kind of other useful um, useful sense. So it's always something that you kind of don't really want to uh, to use too often if you can get away with it but and from what I've seen from Brentford's games with him with him there if you stop the supply from him there's kind of not a not a whole lot else and actually that that should be that should be an avenue that we should that we should possibly look to target because defensively Brentford are still pretty poor I mean I mean let's be honest we scored four against them um so they so defensively they're clearly not (laughs) not all that great so yeah, I mean, there's there's no reason why we, why we can't go there and and get something against them, but we we just need we need to to kind of get that cohesion back between the midfield and the and the strikers because what we've had basically for for a month is whoever has been playing up front has just been left so isolated. There's a huge gap between the midfield and the um, and whoever's playing up top. I mean, that Chelsea game, Brozier. I mean, I don't think anyone was within forty yards of him for most of that game. No, and it was. I mean, yeah, the, we were obviously on the back foot defensively, but there was no way that we were getting out. And yeah, we've we've got to get 
get more support to whoever we play up front. Maybe it's a game where you go with um, the two guys that didn't start uh, yesterday. So you go with Brozier and Adam Armstrong, maybe. Again, it's it's a game where you've kind of, after a fairly insipid performance yesterday, for the most part, maybe it's one, it's another one where you've got to shake things up again and say, right, okay, well, you guys didn't, didn't put the performance in so okay right we'll swap swap out the entire attack and yeah see how see how um see how the others go um yes maybe small bone stew armstrong perhaps maybe yeah just try something try something different yeah glenn mark says time for small bone diallo and, and armstrong to start who comes in for you what are the, the changes you like to see for this one i don't, I don't know I, I, yesterday, yesterday was the, it's a team that turns up would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, yes, yesterday, yesterday was that bad. I mean, Stuart Armstrong, I think, has to come back in. I think Brozier has to come back in. I'd, I'd prefer to see Brozier and Adams up front because Adam Armstrong is not, he's not going to suddenly force his way into the first team. He can't even get off the bench at the moment. So, I, I would like to see Lianco tried maybe instead of Bednarek just to see what he's like playing in a four. Um, I would maybe like to see that, but other than that, we have we haven't got a lot of choices. I mean, Diallo seems to have disappeared altogether since um, since Ramadan started. So he's whether he's sort of ready to play. I don't even know if that's finished yet. To be honest, sorry, that's uh, this big, week. This week big, is indeed. a bit ignorant of me. That is, but um, but it it you know it it will be a tough game against against Brentford. Um, they they remind me of um, of Saints under Alan Ball when basically it was give the ball to Letizia and and every second pass or whatever it was. That's what they do with Ericsson. And if we don't get to grips mm. with him, um, I mean it's no Ivan Tony started scoring now, hasn't he? Um, you know, and he's scored more than any of our strikers, and he he went something like 20 games without a goal. It's all been since Ericsson came in and totally transformed that team. So, and whilst no one's a one-man team, we, as Steve said, we do need to look after him because if we don't, and if we allow him the space that, for example, we allowed Mason Mount playing in that sort of position against Chelsea, we're, we're just going to get, we're just going to get stuffed again. Um, we have to get it right defensively with, with regards to Ericsson. Otherwise we're, we're really going to have trouble. So whether you play three in the centre of midfield and, and detail, Diallo, for argument's sake, to um, to follow him everywhere. Um, that that may be what we do, but then you know, should you change your whole system to accommodate one player? That's that's another question, and that's why mm. Ralph's played paid considerably more money than us to get those decisions right. And let's hope yeah. he does. Fingers crossed. Dan, what have you made of uh, of Brentford this season? Obviously, they've had some good wins, they've had some bad wins. Personally, looking at this one, thinking this is our best chance to pick up a couple of points because we've got Liverpool and, and Leicester just around the corner. So it's, it's, it's not going to be an easy one at the weekend. No, it, it could very well be the last chance for Southampton to, to pick up points. Although, stranger things have happened. You wouldn't, in a weird way, you wouldn't bet against them drawing it, doing something crazy against Liverpool. You, I don't know. Beating Liverpool and handing them. I would. <laughs> um, no chance. But in terms of Brentford, I think they did that thing at the beginning of the season where it's like new team, everything is, no one really knows what they are and they were really good. Then they really kind of just middled out and were terrible. And at one point I was, I thought they might end up going down because I just didn't see where their next win was going to come from. And I thought they'd really get sucked into it. And then as the guys have already said, they signed Christian Eriksen, who let's be honest, could still be performing at one of the Premier League's top sides. I think he's that good. And it, it's changed their season. I think, was it five wins mm. in their last seven now? They, you know, they've gone from looking like they could get sucked into it to being absolutely fine. I really like Thomas Frank. I think he's a 
a good manager. Every time I've seen him talk, I've been impressed by him. I know a couple of people that know him quite well, and they're always speaking very highly of him and, and his methods. And yeah, I mean, it's if Southampton turn up and play the way they played against Palace, they will get absolutely rolled up, rolled over by Brentford. Uh, I wouldn't bet against that happening at all. It, to me, it's almost like the worst time to play them. But then there was a golfing quality and golfing class at St Mary's, and we all know if Southampton turn up, mm. they can give any team in this league a real good go. Um, it just is what what team turns up. And we've all sat here and thought, what well, players would you bring in? At the moment, they're all as bad as each other. I mean, play <laughs> Fair, James Ward-Prowse yeah. up front needs anyone that's scoring. <laughs> Try him up front, why not? So I think when the new uh, owners came in in that game, we were begging him to open his checkbook and spend well, £30 I mean, million I, pounds on Brogy, weren't a, we? I made a joke in my piece, actually, for, for tomorrow. I think Dragon donated ten grand, didn't he? Just over ten grand to the Saints oh, to the Saints Foundation this week. Yeah, he'll have to yeah. dig an awful lot deeper, only to fix that the on-field <laughs> problems. I mean, when he he was there at St Mary's, and he was probably thinking, "Gosh, it's going to cost a lot more than ten grand to solve this." <laughs> yeah, yeah, be uh, it's uh, yeah. contrasting, isn't it? You know what's coming next. I'm going to ask you for predictions. I feel like we started this, so we have to finish it, and we have to see it through. We always say what team's going to turn up. Steve, do you want to go first with a, a prediction for the game? I mean, to be honest, I'll quite happily bite your arm off for a dull as hell nil-nil draw. Just to get us to 41 points. Yeah, that'll do. Uh, Glenn? Uh, yeah, same regarding I, I would hope for a draw, but I will go for a 2-0 defeat. And Dan? Yeah, I'm going to go 2-1 Brentford. Oh, gosh. <laughs> right, OK. I, I, lo- I love that we're we're more optimistic against opposition like Man United than, 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 we, are, than we are against, I'll be, I'll against be back Brentford. I'll to beat Liverpool. It's what they've done to us. It's what they've done to us. (laughs) A couple of other bits before we finish. I just want to touch on uh, the Tino Livramento story this week, Glenn. It was confirmed that he's going to be out until um, January 2023. Bad news for the team, but dreadful news for for him as well. Someone that was absolutely flying. Yeah, and he's he's had a great first season. And I know he's he's put a little bit on social media about the the support that the club are giving him and the fans are giving him and stuff like that. And uh, it is, unfortunately, just one of those things that, that happens in football from time to time and you know it it's whoever it happens to it it's always grim um i guess the good news is that he is young enough that he you know if it happens to a player in his early 30s or something you're, you're struggling a little bit to get back to the level so there is no reason with the way that these injuries are repaired these days that he shouldn't get back to you know the level he was at and be able to be able to push on so it's it's a positive that that he's young but it you know it's a it's a horrible thing to to happen to anybody it's irritated me a little bit that the the Brighton fans have been painted as some sort of um you know they realized there was a problem straight away no they didn't they booed because the referee stopped the game so I'm not having that but that's (laughs) and you you were there I was there so that's uh that's a small point but good luck to Tino and and it's it's going to be I mean, I guess he won't miss as many games because of the World Cup. If he get if he comes back as the you know in January or whatever there's, is being predicted, then there'll be a fair chunk of the season left. Um, but it'd be interesting to see what what Saints do with regarding um, you know with regarding fullbacks because you've still got Jan Valerie at the moment as a as a backup and not a fullback anymore for me. No, mm-hmm. not really. Mm-hmm. But then you, you know Thierry Small didn't look remotely ready in the in the cup game that he played against Coventry got hooked at half time, didn't he? So you would imagine they will be they will be looking either for a right back or a left back to um to gonna say, did you write about that this week, Dan? Was that your your piece about how we were gonna bring in a defender? Now you think it might be the looking at the, the full back options. Well, they wanted a they they want a you know a central defender. Um I certainly wouldn't be surprised if they now have to 
sign a fullback for the reasons the guys have just said. There's just no one else there now, is there? Valerie's clearly is. They see him as a centre half. Thierry's but, but only today, in the three as well. But yeah, only in the three. So to me, unless they think, as as Glenn said, there's a World Cup. There's going to be a big gap where we haven't got to play. Tino could come back in January. Do you just try and wing it? I personally wouldn't adopt that. We can't be playing but... James Ward-Prowse at right back, can we? Again? No, we need it. no. So it, it'll be interesting what they do in the summer with the fullback. Quick word on the the women's team, Steve. Um, another win today, finishing their campaign in style, and the the manager picking up the manager of the month award, which was was good to see. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, another another good good win. Was it four one? I think against Cardiff yeah, this afternoon. Yeah, yep. So yeah, they, I think they won won the league by six points in the end. Ipswich managed to somehow finish third in a two-horse race. And yeah, Ox- Oxford just overtook them on the on the final day. I think Ipswich lost at Pompey today, which was um which was a bit of a surprise. But yeah, they've no, it's been an excellent season. I mean they've they've won uh two trophies. Um should have been three really. I, I still find the the whole Hampshire Cup withdrawal absolutely baffling given the size of squad they've got. But yeah, the big one is big one is to come what in three weeks time. Um yeah, at Stockport. I mean yeah. it's it's it, do find it another weird, weird thing with the scheduling there that you've got a three-week gap between the end of the season and yep. and that that game. Why? There's 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 no there's no reason why why they couldn't have why that game couldn't have been scheduled literally the week after the um, the end of the season, hmm. um, especially as the the winners of the of the two respective leagues have been sewn up for a couple of weeks. Um, I mean, Wolves' case, I think they won it about a month ago. Such was the the lead that they had. Um, so yeah, it's slightly strange i mean i guess wolves are in the same position so there's no there's no advantage to anybody but yeah it's it's a bit odd that now you're left with three three kind of dead weeks um i mean maybe they'll squeeze some friendlies and and things like that in to to kind of keep Mm. keep everyone fresh but it's not not the same as uh going straight into a into a playoff final when when the momentum both teams have got momentum from from winning competitive games but yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that pans out with Stockport. It was good to see them with the silverware at the at the game yesterday. That was uh, one of the highlights. Parading around with the with the silverware. It's the only um, highlight. <laughs> the only highlight yesterday. Yeah, no, that's that's also fair. Before we finish, as always, a big shout out to some of our our patrons in our various tiers and our Matt Letizier tier. We've got Colt Baker, Dave Ernsberger, Ed Busy, Phil Cook, and Nick Higston in the Francis Benali tier. Nick Reed, Matt Hall, and David Melton. To find out more about becoming a TSP patron, you can check out the website. Uh, thanks Steve thanks Glenn thanks Dan let's hope there's better things to talk about next week more cheerful stuff don't forget to follow this podcast uh, wherever you're listening on the socials it's at Total Saints Pod on Twitter and Facebook and of course you can get in touch during the week uh, via the website as well final reminder as well about our TSP 200 the live show which is happening on Friday the 27th of May that's at the Five Rivers Sports Bar in support of the Saints Foundation the link is in the description of the podcast if you want to grab your tickets for that thank you very much for listening and uh, have a great week we'll see you again soon Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.